Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, creator of Brand Builders Academy and the Amplify Accelerator. Right here on this podcast, we'll inspire you to become a bold and powerful voice in the world and claim your space with confidence. Yes, you can be bold and go against the grain to become the creative rebel you want to be. Forget average, it's time to level up. Hey, hey, my lovelies, welcome back to another week on the podcast. It is amazing to have you here. I hope that you are having a good week, whatever you're doing. And you know something I just want to say, because I have seen this through a lot of my community and on socials, that I know that the world is a heavy place. I feel like the world has been a heavy place for a long time. And I know that a lot of women in my community and on socials are really struggling with how we continue to run our businesses when so much is going on in the world. And I just want to say that you have got the power to make a change. You can choose to not just watch and feel terrible about what's happening in the world. I think that that is an emotion that most of us feel anyway. But just know that you can decide to support whatever causes, whatever is happening. Right now, as I'm recording this, New South Wales and Queensland have had incredible floods. I have watched people like Kat Johns and Lisa Messenger and Plant Mama and so many people who are rallying others who can donate, who can support and what's going on in Ukraine. There is so much happening in the world, but just know that any little thing that you can do is worthwhile. Anything that you can do to get your communities to do something is worthwhile. So be the voice, be the action taker, be the person in the world that just doesn't watch and say, I feel bad for this, but I want you to be a leader, which is something we're talking about today and something that I talk about a lot is being a leader, being a brand leader, being a leader to your community, stepping up, being a thought leader, be somebody who is not just a leader but who is an action taker and be somebody who leads by example. You know, share with your community how they can help the causes that you're passionate about. Share all the information that you can. Share what other people are doing that maybe they can be a part of. And so I just wanted to start this podcast today saying that you are never helpless. You can be part of the solution and be part of contributing to positive outcomes. Unfortunately, we can't change everything, but we can be part of being that positive action in the world, yeah? And we can be part of being the leader and the voice that rallies others to also make a difference and make a change. So one of the things I did want to say in today's podcast is that the Red Cross is 
creating and donating obviously supplies to Ukraine right now. The Red Cross is also supporting New South Wales and Queensland floods. And so if you want to donate to them, then make sure you head to their website. If you want to be part of what's happening, then check out Lisa Messenger, check out Plant Mama, you know, take a look and see. There are Instagram accounts that are sharing what's happening. So ask. If you don't know where to look, then ask and see what you can do. And every little bit helps. See what you can do to help and be part of the solution. So that was something that I felt like I really wanted to share with you today. Um, I am super excited to have Shane Hatton on the podcast today. We are talking all about leadership. We are talking about how you can step up and be a better leader. And Shane and I met on Instagram. He's awesome. He is a leadership coach. He's a speaker. He's a trainer, a facilitator. And I really wanted to have him on the podcast. So a little bit about him is that Shane is a Queenslander by birth, Melbourneian by choice which I love, curious by nature and creative at heart. He has spent the last decade developing remarkable leaders and teams. He is an expert in leadership communication, blending his experience in business and psychology to help leaders communicate, connect and collaborate more effectively in order to bring out the best in those they lead. And so you know, I have obviously said to him who my listeners are, who my community are. And so I know that you'll get so much out of this conversation today and I can't wait for you to hear it. And if you've got any questions for me about how you can support the causes that are happening right now in the world, if you've got any questions for me on how you can be a better leader as a woman in business or as a person in business in your community, I am here for that conversation too. But listen, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. I can't wait to share this with you. Shane, welcome to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. Suze, I'm so excited to talk to you just purely because I love talk to you, talking to you in general. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I said to Shane, I'm like, we're going to talk about this, this, and this. he's like, you just take it wherever you want to go. We'll see where the conversation, I love that. I'm all for that. Let's have a chat, see what happens. Yeah, I'm all just for like, I forget sometimes that we're on a podcast. And so we'll just chat and we'll have a conversation. And then I forget that there's a lot of people that are listening to us have a conversation, which I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah, that's so good. And as always, like we got chatting and then we were talking about the fact that you've written your new book and imposter syndrome and all the rest of it that we kind of go through the lizard brain. And then I'm like, stop talking. This is so good. We have to add this to the podcast. <laughs> so I yep. know, I know we're gonna we're gonna give a lot of gems, but let's just start. I've introduced you to my audience, uh, and we're gonna dive into a few things, but how did you get here? Why do you do what you do? Tell us a little bit about that first, and then we're going to get into all the themes. Oh gosh, that's such a, it's such a weird twisting kind of journey. And I don't know if you found this with your own experience, but most of the things that you do in the moment, you'd never see how they play a part in forming and shaping who you are and what you do until you look back at your journey and you go, oh my gosh, everything was setting me up for this moment. So I have this weird eclectic background of 
um, kind of work in marketing, which was my kind of degree that I did. I did event management. One of my first jobs is I was coaching event uh, managers in communities and teaching them how to work with local government, uh, which was basically just teaching them how to deal with 19,000 meetings that took place in government um, and how to basically get around some of those. Uh, then I went and did some consulting business in marketing and then um, basically uprooted my life. I grew up in Queensland, a little small town called Bundaberg, uh, which people probably know either for Bundaberg rum or Bundaberg ginger beer, depending on your drinker preference. Um, and then I kind of had this twisting road between kind of like not-for-profit and um, I did counselling. I went and did a counselling degree, so I'm a trained counsellor um, for some reason. Uh, and then kind of everything kind of rolled into one that most of my career has been spent developing leadership capabilities. And so the marketing kind of gives me this business edge and this kind of personal positioning edge. And then the counseling gives me a lot more of that people side of, of yeah. business. And I kind of collide those two worlds in doing what I do now. Which is amazing. And so what do you do now? Like who are you working with at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would love to say that there's like one particular group of people that I work with, but I work across every industry and sector. And I, I, I would say, you know, across government, not-for-profit, you know, private sector, but there's the, the people that I love working with are the kind of meat in the sandwich of an organization, like the people leaders, yeah. like those people right in the center of it, who essentially are aspiring to be kind of senior leaders in a business, or they're just trying to find their feet, having just been promoted into some kind of leadership, leadership position. And they're just the people that I love. That's so good. So, you know, I always talk about, it's not what you do, but it's what you're here to do. And so if I was to ask you, what are you here to do? Like, what are you here to do? What is the impact you want to have? Like, what is that thing for you? Uh, first of all, great question. Um, I think like, and, and aren't we kind of like all still figuring that out, like in so many ways, but I would say for me, I have learned that um, leadership creates multiplied impact. Like for me, when you impact a leader, you impact their team and you impact the people in their world and their family. And so my, like, why am I here? I want to leave a legacy by uh, multiplying my impact through leaders. So when I'm developing leaders, uh, whatever that, you know, looks like, whether it's in, in a business with a group or whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, my goal is like, if I can leave a legacy that I've impacted you, then I know that I've impacted many people through you. And so, yeah, I just want to do more of that. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. We had this conversation at the retreat, the Rise Retreat that I recently ran, and it was about thought leadership and the fact that, you know, we want to be known for something. So what is it that we're here to do? What is the impact that we want to have on the wider community? What's the influence we want to have on the individual? And then what's that relationship look like as well? And I just think you're so right. When we impact or influence one person or we support them to become so much better at what they do, that is such a ripple effect. And I love that. So good. I always ask a person, like, if you, if I said to, like, even to people listening now, it's like, who is that? Like, person that stands out in your mind as someone who made the biggest impact on you and there's always like a face or a name that comes to mind it, maybe it was like Who's your first yours? manager oh my gosh I have so many people that's my problem is that I have different people at different stages of my journey um, like my first mentor I actually wrote about him in my last book we, we were we were sitting in a little dodgy Italian cafe and um, he would catch up with me once a week. And we had this system when I was, and I was, I was in high school at the time. And we had this system where basically we, we did school four days a week and we had a day off to work. 
So we were allowed to kind of do a day of work. And I didn't have a job at the time. So I just used to hang out with this guy and just follow him around everywhere. I was the most annoying kid ever, but he basically would just take me everywhere. So like, and I mean this everywhere. So like he would go to the gym for his lunch break and I would go and stand next to him while he's lifting weights and just talk to him. And I now look back and go, that must have been so annoying. I was in grade 12. I was like, (laughs) I could have worked out with him, but I just, I just talked because I loved I found that he would just share leadership and wisdom and insight with me. And he's like, literally some of the things he's told me, I still carry to this day um, as little kind of um, bits of wisdom that have inspired me. And I go, Oh, I just, there's people like that. And that's the kind of person I describe as the remarkable leader. Like the remarkable leader is the one that stands out as you mind in your mind as someone who has just made a difference in your life. Yeah, I, for me, it's my, uh, it was my debate teacher, Mrs. David, when I was 16, she's, she was a massive influence. And then my principal at the time as well, Di Fleming, um, who was just a like trailblazer in her, uh, in her industry and in what she did and then in her thinking and the way that she influenced us. And yeah, I think it's amazing to think back on the people that have had a huge impact. And I know, I was watching some of your videos on your website as well, which I love. And you were sort of saying that, you know, you've been working in the last 10 years to create remarkable leaders uh, and what they are is, you know, leadership that makes a difference, that stands out in the back of your mind. A remarkable leader is somebody you talk about and that you remember. And so we were chatting about the fact that my listeners are mainly, but not always, women in business who, you know, something like they need to lead themselves they lead their clients and a lot of times they lead their communities. And so what do you think we need to be thinking about when it comes to making the decision to be a leader in our space? Oh, I love, I love talking with you because you bring out the best conversations it's such a big topic, right? If we were to really dive into that, there's like, okay, what's the very first decision? And then what's the subsequent decisions that Go follow from it. all let's of that? Let's do it. Let's, let's dive into it. I mean, when I, I think about it, is number one is deciding who gets to be a leader. Like really it's like, can I be a leader? Do I have the right to be a leader? Do I like really me? Like I don't have a huge following or I don't have, you know, a huge customer base. Can I really be a leader? And I don't know, like, what, what do you think? <laughs> like, Suze, what's, what's your thoughts? Well, it kind of comes back to that question. Do I have the right to be a leader? Am I worthy of being a leader? Do I have what it takes to be a leader? Comes back to, which I love, I love serendipity, is that when we were first talking about you writing this second book and you were saying, which I'm just going to say Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, for everybody that listens, they're like, oh, my God, here she goes again. (laughs) (laughs) You know I love Liz, which is, We can put work out into the world and it gets received in different ways. But when we're creating, we do kind of go down the path of, is this good enough? Am I good enough? Like, is anybody going to like this? And I feel like it's the same with leadership. It's like, is, am I enough? Is this Mm. enough? Is what I say enough? Is how I lead enough? Am I even worthy of this? And I feel like those two things it is that lizard brain, but yeah. I, for me, I just think, why not? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why, why wouldn't I? Like, if I want to do it, 
I'm not, I don't have any, I don't think I have expectations on myself to be a certain type of leader. I'm just like, I have people that want to come along on the journey. Let's, let's go together. And so that's Mm. the kind of leader that I think is uh, like, it's not pressure on yourself to be or do or have this grand kind of persona, but just let's just take people along on the journey and see what happens. Mm, I love it. But the, I mean, the question I often ask myself is like, if leadership really is about influence, like that really is uh, when I lead someone, I'm influencing them in some way for good or for bad. And really, when you think about it. And so the question that I would ask myself is, can I live a life without any influence? And if I can, then sure, I can avoid leadership. But if you really think about it, you might be a mum with a little kid. You might be, you know, uh, uh, really in any sphere of life, in any stage of life, you might just be starting your career. You might be towards the end of your career. To just reflect personally and go, do I have zero influence on anybody around me? And if I do, then great, I can avoid it. And Probably that person is listening to this podcast maybe two or three years' time. It, they're in a cave somewhere, isolated from community. Like that would be the person that maybe, if, if that's you and you're listening to us in a cave right now and you have no contact with anyone, maybe you could get away with saying, I'm not a leader. But if you have any kind of influence over anybody else, then I would say, yes, you have every right to be a leader. I love that. But I just kind of want to go back to that word. You have every right to be a leader. And I do think that people sometimes think, well, like, who am I to be a leader? And maybe I don't have the skills to be a leader. And so it's also that, what does that mean? Like, then who does have the skills and how do we measure that? Huge, huge question. I reckon there's three big problems that show up every time I talk to someone about leadership. And these are people who are starting their leadership journey. People have been in their leadership journey for a long time. And I I say that in terms of a, a paid sense. And I don't mean as a, you know, can I be a leader? I mean, in the, in a corporate setting, typically those are the the leaders that I work with. And there's three big challenges. Number one, they go, I don't know if I really have the confidence to show up as a leader. Like, I I don't know if I have the confidence to do that. It's the first one. The second one is, I don't know if I have the skills or the capability to do that. Um, And the third one is, I don't even know who to turn to, to find out the answer to either of those. Like, I don't know where to go to get, to get the skills for, I don't know where where to turn to, to kind of find the, the sense of confidence that comes from that. And so what I say to those people is you need to kind of work on three big areas, which is number one is work on your belief systems around leadership. Like we talk about confidence, but confidence is a product. It's confidence is a product of a belief system that we hold about ourselves, about leadership and about the world. So the first one is work on your belief systems, then um, work on the um, the performance systems, like what does good leadership do? So rather than just like, what do I be as a leader? What do I now do as a leader? And how do I build that capability? And the third one is work on your support systems, which is your network and your people around you to help answer some of those questions to encourage you to navigate the highs and lows of leadership. And so those are probably the big three areas that I focus on. But the one that we start with is always the most important is what are your belief systems about leadership? Amazing. So talk to me more about that. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, if we talk about people who say, I want to feel more confident as a leader, or and let's not just put this in the leadership context. Let's talk about this. If you're running your own business, yeah. I want to feel more confident as a business owner. I want to feel com- more confident as a, a man or a woman. I want to feel more confident as a person. Like, what does that look like for you? Well, we generally have an outcome that we're looking towards. It's like, maybe I just want to speak a little bit bolder or I want to, you know, share my ideas and feel a little less attached to them. Like whatever the outcomes are, 
if we dig below the surface, probably sitting below is some kind of belief about ourselves, about our context or about the world, which isn't serving us. Yeah, It's a belief that is not helping us to step into that space where we can show up with confidence. And so most of the time we live completely unaware of those beliefs that are sitting below the surface. And when we all of a sudden peel back the layers and find them, we go, oh my gosh, I've had this for so long and I didn't even know that it was there. Yeah. And I've been talking about this so much, Shane. Like, I love that you brought this up. One of the uh, one of the podcasts in January that I share was a belief ladders and how we take our beliefs and like, I have this belief and then what I need is to have this next belief. And then I have another belief that helps me mm. to achieve or get to where I want to go. Um, and I did a live the other day with, uh, with some of the ladies from the retreat. And I've been talking about courage over confidence. Forget about confidence. Forget about, do I have it? Do I not have it? Ask yourself, am I willing to step up in courage? and nice. do this thing that I want to do. And so Lisa um, from the Blonde Campaign, she was saying, oh, my God, Suze, I feel like I've been sitting there going, oh, you know, I've lost my confidence. Like I used to have confidence and now I don't have it. And she's like, you know, as if I'm going to find it somewhere one day, like I lost it physically and now I'm going to find it. But I just want to, yeah, I just, I think one of my big messages at the moment, and I love it's so in line with what you've just said, is if you want to decide to be a leader, then step up in the courage of doing that with the belief that you have the ability to make a positive impact, to do the things that you want and almost just stop looking for confidence because confidence is fluid. It comes and goes. Sometimes depending on my mood, I'll feel more confident. Yeah. And if I'm feeling a bit blue when I'm having blue Tuesday or just not feeling great, I'll just be like, I don't feel very confident about that. Like it's such a um, fluid, emotional thing. I'm just like, today I'm just going to step up in courage and do this. So, uh, yeah. Yes, a thousand times yes. Because it is that, I, I think one of the things is is we kind of go up and down based on our emotional state and we, we feel certain things. But one of the things that sits below that is always that core belief and conviction. And so there's some days that I show up and I go, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be a leader. I don't feel like being a leader today. It's tough. Like people don't, um, people aren't always kind to you as a leader. People aren't always kind to you as a business owner. Um, think things don't always work out the way you want to go. And you go, okay, my confidence has taken a hit here and it's, and it's really rattled me. And then I go, okay, well, all right, peel back the layer of that confidence kind of conversation and go, what's your belief here? What do you believe about yourself? Do you believe that you're worthy of love? Do you believe that, um, you know, do you believe that you have a legacy to leave in your business? And all of a sudden it's like connecting back to purpose and underlying belief to go, okay, all right, tough day, but helpful belief rather yeah. than, okay, every day I'm kind of gauging it based on my emotions or my feelings and yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I heard somebody else say, like, are you willing to hold on to the belief even when things are not going your way? And mm. that's something that I've been really leaning into, like even when, you know, you didn't hit the financial goal or you didn't achieve the thing or it didn't work out the way that you thought, are you willing to believe or hold on to the belief that it's 100% possible and that it's just a journey that you've got to continue on as well? And so... I think, yeah, just never, like, it's never a final thing. It's just where so we are true. in that journey to it. 
Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a fine line that I find fascinating. And I had this conversation uh, maybe about a year ago with um, Cameron Schwab, who was, he was, uh, you know, um, a CEO of the Richmond Football Club. Um, and he was given his first CEO role when he was 22 years old, which is wow. just like, imagine taking on that kind of responsibility, that kind of age. I asked him, I said, did you ever just feel like a bit of an imposter or did you feel like a bit of a fraud, like being so young and, and, and brought into that? And he said, yeah, I felt it when I, I went in and I felt it until the day I left. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I, he said, there's always that feeling of, of um, never being where you wanted to be. Like, and I think most leaders of business owners, especially yeah. entrepreneurs, they see the future and they see it in a way going, that's where we could be. But then they have to live in the present and go like, there's always a disconnect between what I see and what I want to be than where I am now. And so if you think about that, you'll forever feel like you're not where you're supposed to be. And you'll always feel like you should be two or three steps yeah. ahead of where you are rather than recognizing that's my entrepreneurial spirit or that's my visionary leadership. And I'm okay that I'm not there yet. It's a driver and a motivator rather than a demotivator and a discourager. It's so interesting because it's really how you frame it in your own mind, isn't it? It's like, Huge. okay, that's, that's my drive. That's my ambition. That's my desire. And I'll get yeah. there but it doesn't have to be a negative, even though I want it, like, even though I want it, really want it now. <laughs> I like, I can, I can recognize it for what it is and also be present and do what I need to do now. It can be yeah. hard. It can be hard. Super hard. It's super hard. And I always go like when I'm caught up looking at where I want to be and recognizing that I'm not there, it's when I have to really intentionally go back and look at where I was and go, okay, so I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And so I can just be content with where I am right now. Um, and we just don't give ourselves enough credit for the progress we make. We always, we always give ourselves a heap of criticism of where we think we should be and not enough credit of where we've come from um, and where we've made it to, um, which I, I think is just, I don't know, maybe it's human nature. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I, oh, I think it's, I totally think it's human nature. I don't think we celebrate our wins as much as yeah. we should. I think that we always want to be further along than where we are. Even when we reach certain milestones and goals, it's great. But then it's like, what's next? It's never enough. Mm. Like it's a mm. really, it's interesting. And I think entrepreneurs are naturally ambitious. And so yeah. I think that just comes with the territory. I think so. The, the, I think the other tension to manage in all of this is to go, okay, so how do I hold a belief that's tight enough to get some conviction about, but loose enough that it doesn't get left as an outdated or an unhelpful belief over time. And I think that's one of the things that I've noticed of, of late. We've got people that are, are stepping out and kind of working and leading and operating out of a belief that was helpful 10 years ago and it doesn't serve us today. But because we've held on to that belief and it's been so important to us, we don't want to let it go because we're like, if I let it go, then I'm not being true to myself. Mm. And actually someone said to me recently, they said, um, you know, you've got to regularly take your beliefs out and hang them up on the clothesline and look back and assess them and decide for yourself whether or not they're still true. And I, I thought that was kind of a cool metaphor, but I would tweak it and I would say, don't step back and ask, is this true? Step back and ask, is this helpful? Like, is it helpful for me to hold this belief? Because if you look at truth, through the history, truth in many ways, what we understand as truth changes. Mm -hmm. um, so you might go, well, we used to think this about the world and we've realized we were really wrong and you could hold the wrong belief and carry it through that's not helpful for you. So yeah, ask yourself regularly as a, as a leader, as a business owner, what beliefs do I hold, hold about myself, about leadership, about business, about the world in general? And is this belief serving 
the kind of person that I want to become or is this belief helpful for where I am right now? Yeah, I love that. That's so good. When I do the 90-day sprints with clients and stuff, we do like what are your goals, what are your actions, what are you going to do, and then what are the beliefs that you Mm. need in order to execute on that? Because like you said, it's so unseen. And is it helpful? Because (laughs) you're like, like, why am I not doing this thing that I've had on my to-do list or in my plan or whatever for the last three quarters, but I've not actually achieved it? And you can have all of the strategies and tactics in the world, but if you don't believe that it's possible, if you don't believe you deserve it, if you don't believe that you can do it, then you're never going to execute on it. So I think it's, yeah, it's, I love that. Is this helpful? I think that's really yeah, one, of, one of the most important topics that's most often unspoken about is the, the unspoken rule book that we carry about ourselves, others in the world. Like I, I, I talk about this in, in my next book, but we talk, you know, in really it's a lot in kind of therapy and kind of psychology where we talk about the, uh, the unspoken expectations of self others in the world and it is almost like this invisible rule book that we carry around on the inside that we judge ourselves against, but more importantly, we judge others against. Mm. And we think to ourselves, everybody else has this rule book and they don't, they've got their own. They're playing to a different set of rules. We're all playing the same game, but we're all playing to a different set of rules. And that is so confusing. Do you not have my rule book, Shane? Is, are people not well, playing to my rules? <laughs> I reckon ours would be pretty similar, I reckon, based on our conversations. But yeah, they're different. Yeah, they're different. So interesting. And so tell me a little bit more about, so your new book, what's it called? It's called Let's Talk Culture, the conversations you need to create the team you want. And so what has some of the research, some of the interesting research been that you kind of found based on what you were just talking about a second ago? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. One of the big reasons that I wrote the book is that, you know, culture is such a huge topic of conversation, especially in executive leadership and kind of senior leadership or business leadership. Um, But most people that we talk to, they talk about culture, but don't really know what culture is. And that was one of the most fascinating insights that came out of the study. It was the first one is we basically asked, we, we studied a thousand people, leaders, middle managers across Australia. And we, we wanted to learn what they thought about culture, what they believed about it. And one of the questions was, can you define organizational culture, organizational and team culture? And it was 97% said, yes, definitely. Yep, absolutely. We can, we can define it. And the next question was, tell us your definition of organizational and team culture. And the results were around one in 10 could give us an answer of what organizational team culture was. Um, most people that we talk to describe the outcomes of culture. So they said things like our culture, uh, our organization is inclusive and engaging. Our organization is fun or, you know, it's the vibe in our business. You know, there were things like that and a couple of responses, which was actually quite a popular one was just good. Um, That was just what they said. Good. That was their response to the definition of culture. Can I tell Um, you what I think it is? Yes, please do. And then you can tell me that I'm wrong. That's right. <laughs> no, so not at all. I would see culture as the like unspoken rules and uh, practices, uh, ways of working that an organization and its people adhere to. Mm. So to me, I kind of feel like it's like what we as a whole, how we, how we operate. Is that wrong? 
Uh, well, here's the fascinating <laughs> thing about it, right? I'm not going to tell you you're wrong and I'll tell you why, um, because I think it's a great definition. What you just gave is a really good definition and probably one of the most articulate <laughs> definitions that we heard in, in terms of their responses from people. Because most people, one out of, of the one in 10 that had some kind of consistent definition, they essentially talked about it as the values, behaviors, and um, expectations that guide you know, our behavior in the business. It was very technical. And I was like, I remember going through, because I have a list of all the individual responses. Like, that's a very common definition that keeps coming up. And I thought to myself, if I'd been asked if I knew the definition and said yes, and then was put on the spot to give the definition of, the, of, of, the, of culture, what would I do? I'm like, of course, I would just go to Google. So I Googled define organizational culture. And the thing that came up was the answer in everybody's question. Oh, wow. And so the one in 10 who gave us a definition of it, they Googled the answer. Um, and it just highlighted. I didn't Google it. You didn't. I'm watching you. you. That's why I said, like, you should be very happy with that answer. And people basically just, they, they felt like they needed to know and they couldn't define it. And the reason why it's so hard to define, like if we just take the last 20 years prior to Google, prior to like all of our online side of things, let's talk just academically, there's 54 academic definitions of culture that were all different, all had similarities, but they were all different. I'm like, no wonder people are so confused is because we kind of don't really know what it is. Mm. And But we know what it is and what it's not. We know what when it's good and when it's bad. So like exactly. even as you were talking, I'm like, when I think of organizations, like they had such a great culture, like super supportive, fun, smart people. Like it was just the collective was a great experience. So it kind of comes mm. back to brand experience, almost like all of the touch points that I had within the organization from learning and development to leadership, to people, to conversations was good. Bad culture was didn't want to be there, no, like no communication, uh, just, you know, whatever, whatever those bad things. It's really interesting because mm. I feel like people are very clear on what a good and a bad culture is. The outcomes of good and bad culture. Mm. So like they, they, they can describe culture. So we go, okay, I know culture is good when it has these kind of characteristics, which is the output of culture, or, you know, or they just say culture is good or bad. And then it kind of takes a step back and go, okay, so how do we define good? Like, how do we define healthy and toxic culture? So let's give you an example. One culture, um, they're on call 24-7. That's, that's the nature of their role. Another culture, imagine being on call 24-7. It would be toxic, right? So in, in one, we go healthy culture. Yep, that's just part of our expectations of each other. Yeah, we're always on call. Next one, no, nah, don't call me outside of five o'clock on a Friday or don't touch me on my weekend because mm. it's my time off. So healthy and toxic are really hard to define. But more often than not, we describe all the behaviors or the things that we see or we notice and we go, oh, that's kind of a good culture because it's a fit for me or it's like we would describe them as generally good. But yeah, it's still really complex to try and define. I was just about to say it's so personal, isn't it? Because the, the things that I love and if an organization's like that, then to me it's a great culture. But if yeah. somebody doesn't have the beliefs and desires and you know, of like what I have, then they might be like, meh, like not great. So, yeah. so interesting. And let's, let's link that back to the conversation that we've been having in this podcast so far, because I could honestly, I could talk about the book all day, but what, what's so, what is the kind of key connector in all of this is that 
we have expectations around culture, what it should be, how it should be built. And so do the people who are leading the team. So does the organization who's creating the culture. More often than not, we never have a conversation about how we want to do things as a collective and what does it look like to bring and put all those expectations of each other on the table and go, okay, what unites us? What do we all have in common here? And so the book's called Let's Talk Culture with the emphasis on talk because most of the time culture's interpreted. And there's this really great quote that says, um, I think I can't remember it was by Tony someone, basically said, what, is, um, what isn't explicit is interpreted and felt and what's, um, or it's what's, what's felt and then what's felt is interpreted and what's interpreted is often wrong. And so that's the danger of culture. When we never talk about culture, what the culture we want to create is, everybody's left to try and interpret what it is. And most of the time we get that wrong. So that's really what we're trying to do is like, how do we make some of these unspoken things, our expectations, our beliefs, what we see of the world, how do we make them more explicit and spoken? So interesting. See, so I'm now trying to think, so as a leader in my community, as a coach in my programs, what's the culture that I want to cultivate and have and how how can I be explicit with how I create that? Yeah. What do you think? It's huge. <laughs> so Shane, how do and I it, do that? Oh, I, I love it. I love it because, I mean, it's going to look different based on your context. So like if you're a business and you're building a community, um, you so much set and define that culture for other people. Um, and if it, And when I say you set and define it, if you want it to be an intentional culture, culture exists regardless of whether you have a culture, whether you say you have a culture or you don't, the culture really is just the sum average or the norms that we do the way that we do things. Right. So one of the things that was common across all the definitions of culture, there were really four big things that were common. Number one, culture has a collective element, which means that it can't exist as an individual. Like you don't have a culture. I don't have a culture, but together we can have culture. So there's a collective element. The second thing is that there's a social learning element that comes through in everything. We learn about culture by observation and interpreting the things around us from other people. It's the second element. The third one is that there's an, uh, an observable element to culture. We have to be able to notice things or see things. So there's observable behaviors that we say, okay, so what's going on there? Is that tolerated? Is that not tolerated? And we learn from those behaviors. And then there's an unseen element to culture, which is coming back to the conversation we've been having, our beliefs and our expectations. And so in terms of defining the culture for your community, for your business, for your team, whatever that's looking like, number one is you need to have an expectation conversation. And the expectation conversation is about making the unspoken spoken. So it's about how do I make those unseen elements, my beliefs, my expectations of you, your expectations of me, how do we make them really, really clear and explicit? So when you show up and you say, I want to create a positive environment, I talk to leaders all the time and go, what do you want for your team? I just want it to feel really positive. My next question is, when was the last time you told your team that? I'm like, I don't think I've ever told my team that. I'm like, so you have an expectation of them that they don't know you have an expectation of. So number one is the expectation conversation. Make the unspoken spoken. Conversation number two uh, is about how do you now bring the observable elements to that, which is really about the clarification conversation. And that's about how do we make the invisible elements of our culture more observable? So if you're in a community what kind of rituals and things do you have in your community that you celebrate? Like, do you celebrate income? Do you celebrate, uh, you know, progress? Do you celebrate achievement? Like what are some of the things that you celebrate in your community? Um, because that starts to shape some of the culture um, and the observable behaviors in that community. 
And then the third one um, is around really the communication conversation, which is about how do we start to make these words, so like positivity or optimism or energy or enthusiasm or bold or whatever that is, how do we start to work out, uh, work that into our day-to-day vocab? So what are some of the, I call them team memes. So like your community memes, right? Like you would have heaps of them, Sue. So like you, you talk about like some of your catchphrases or statements that you make that everyone goes, oh my gosh, yes, that sums up our culture and who we are or what we're trying to be. Like how can you start to intentionally create more of those kind of memes that start to catch and, and start to spread within the culture? Yeah, so good. I mean, even as you were speaking, it's just, it's so interesting because uh, so I was telling some clients the other day just around when you bring people into say your programs about setting the expectation about what this is, what this experience is going to be like and, and how Mm. you're going to be and how they like, how they can get the best out of this. And I feel like that's that really articulating what this space is going to be like for you. So welcome in, in order for you to get the most out of it, this is what you can do. This is how we're going to be. This is how I'm going to show up. These are the Mm. conversations we're going to have. We're all about the wins. We want you to celebrate like all of, and it's really just giving an upfront overview of like what you can expect now that you're here and in this space as well. And I think that it's, I feel like we do it at events too. Like, I feel like it's something from a brand experience perspective, um, we look at like what what is the environment that we want to create? How do we want people to be? And it's also telling them how we want them to be. Like when somebody new comes in, we want you all to welcome them. Like, you know, put your arms around them and like digitally <laughs> put your arms around <laughs> yeah. them and welcome them in. And, um, you know, we want to be inclusive and we want to be, you know, thoughtful to one another. We want to be considerate and we want to be able to be honest, like, you know, truth and being honest about what's happening in business and I think just talking more about that can be so helpful to people to understand how to navigate new spaces and new communities and new teams and that sort of yes. thing yes it's so like who who says clear is kind like isn't that Brene Brown does she say that but actually it might be yes Maybe, uh, I think Brene says, I think Brene Brown says everything in my mind. Um, (laughs) It's like Liz says everything. Liz, I'm sure Liz said that. (laughs) I'm sure Liz said it too, possibly. Um, Or it might've been uh, in radical candor, one one of those ones. But basically this whole idea of clear as as kind, when people don't have to come into that culture and, and to the social learning element and go, oh, is this okay? Is this not okay? Like we, it's actually so kind to the people that are coming into our programs or into our business. We just go, you know what, in this, in this community, we do it this way and it's not right. It's not wrong. It's that the way that we do things in this community. And if you choose to come in and not do that, that's okay, but it's not going to feel, it won't feel like the norm here. Um, I think that's one of the things that I have this really interesting conversation, which if you think about, like you think about a Venn diagram is like, you know, you three circles. If you think about the, as culture being the intersection of you um, me and us, which is I have expectations of you, you have expectations of me and the organization or the collective has an expectation of us. Like we talk about like, is the goal to just bring those closer together so that you end up with this overlap of all three. And I go, ah, it's not the goal of culture. Culture is not to have one homogenous blob that all looks the same. And the way I would see it is I use this phrase, be um, 
aligned at the core and inclusive at the edges, which is basically the goal is to find what do we all three of us have in common that we say, yep, this is what unites us and brings us together in terms of our collective culture. But at the same time, we love and we value your edges um, because what you bring into the culture adds contribution and value and, and helps us to evolve our culture over time. Yeah, and we have to evolve. I just think that's Huge. where that's where the I think that's where the amazingness comes in is as we evolve and we create. Uh, and also, I love that you were sort of talking about that core because also, you know, when we create and we have others that contribute to the conversation, then we can co-create together and bring bring all of those ideas, um, you know, and challenges and everything else that comes with it and evolve together. So I think that that is mm. so awesome. Uh, so Shane, I did have another question for you. What skill set, and I'm not sure if that's the right word, but what skills skill set do you think helps us to increase our impact and influence as leaders? Mm. Oh, big, big question. Because again, like if you were to prioritize them, which ones have the most weight, which ones are the most important to develop? Um, I don't know that there's one answer to that. It's like whenever someone asks, like, what's your top piece of advice? And I'm like, well, I can give you a piece of advice. I don't know if it's my top piece of yeah. advice. I always think about most leaders and business owners have three uh when I when I do it more with with corporates, we have three kind of metaphorical spaces mm. and I talk about that as the conference room, the meeting room, the lunchroom. And I always ask people the question of like, where does leadership happen? And when, when I, I ask that people to that question to clients, I've had all kinds of responses. Some people are like, you know, it happens at our town halls. And other people are like, it happens in the hallways. And some people are like, it happens everywhere. And someone said, uh, it happens on Tuesdays. And I was like, oh. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, because our exec meetings happen on Mondays and then it all gets filtered down to the business on Tuesday. So that's where the leadership happens. So I was like, huh, funny. Um, but I always go like, where does it happen? And I always think about like leadership happens for me in three spaces in the business. It happens in the conference room, which for me is a metaphorical space that represents the collective. Mm. So it's when we're leading one to many, mm. it, it happens in the meeting room for me, which is where it's like one to one and it's a bit more intimate and it's a little bit more personal. And then it happens in the, in the lunchroom for me, which is the more conversational. It's the more kind of like outside of the formalities and the more cultural. So I always say, if you're going to develop three capabilities, develop your collective leadership, uh, your um, individual leadership and your cultural leadership, develop the skill sets of what it takes to communicate your ideas to the masses and to mobilize them to the masses, learn the skills to lead an individual really well and actually have really meaningful and honest conversations at an individual level and then learn how to build a, a community in a, at a cultural level. So I think at the outside of the corporate sense, it's relevant across all businesses mm, yeah. and all spaces. Just focus on those three big areas. So good. I love that. I love when you do like one, two, I have one, two, threes. I like a one, two and a three. <laughs> so it works. It works so well. That's so good. Uh, and so is there anything just to leave us with, is there anything that came out of your research or that you've kind of learned maybe in the last year or two under the circumstances that we've been in that has been something either profound or interesting or just something that you've really developed and evolved your thinking with? Like what's something that you're like, 
I totally like get this now or discovered that? Oh, there were so many of those little moments. It wasn't really just one big epiphany mm. kind of moment. I think the one that I've, I've already touched on a little bit, so I won't talk, talk too much again, but which is this idea that um, like when it comes to, to culture, like culture can be influenced. Like when, when it comes to like, can I create the culture that I want? The answer to that question is yes. We asked people in our study, do you believe that culture can be influenced? And, and one in two said no. And that was so confronting to me because it, it kind of creates this helplessness, which is that if I don't like the environment that I'm in or the environment that I'm leading, there's nothing I can do to change it. And the answer to that is yes, you can change it. But more often than not, people are trying to interpret while you change. And I think the more explicit you can be, like make that rule book that you're carrying around, put it out on the table and read it out loud. You'll either realize that the rule book's not serving you or that no one else knows that that's a rule book you're playing to. And you, or you might find that we actually have some things in common across our rule books. Um, so that was one that you can, one of the other ones that I found so fascinating, we asked people like, what do you think of the big culture builders? And what do you think of the big culture killers? And there was basically the top five culture builders, top five culture killers. But the one that I found was really kind of prominent in what kills culture is absent or disconnected leaders or absent or disconnected leadership. And so I say that more so to list, to, to encourage people that are listening that when you show up and I mean, really show up, like people take notice. And when you shrink back, and so you are all about being bold, like, and, and I'm saying like, when you shrink back, people notice. Yeah. And so as a leader, as a business owner, as a woman, as a person, as a human being show up because people notice. Well, I think that is the perfect thing to end on. Can I just say show up because people notice. I love it. So good. Shane, we can talk all day. <laughs> and we probably will. Love it. So good. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing that. I, I do, you know, you know, I come from a corporate background. I totally see the flow between corporate and entrepreneurship and leading, like leading your community, leading a team in a corporate, whatever it is. There are so many things that we can learn as entrepreneurs from the work that you've done and from you know, even our, our common uh, discussion on beliefs. Like, I love that you brought that up because it's been something I've been talking about so much on the podcast lately. Uh, so I think it just fits in so well. So thanks so much for sharing. So I love any chance I get to talk to you and um, it's, it's such a privilege. Thanks for inviting me on. My pleasure. Now, where can people find you? What's the best place to go and connect with you as well? Pretty much everywhere. So basically I managed to score the username at Shane M Hatton on pretty much every platform. Um, depending on what you want from me, if you want a little bit more of like my personal life, Instagram, I show up there. It's like a mix of personal and business. If you want to just keep it professional, we can hang out on LinkedIn and be professional friends. Um, and if you, if you really like, you just don't want any kind of professionalism at all, you can just go to TikTok, but I don't oh, really hang out there. <laughs> Look, I had one viral post and I got 5,000 followers as a result of it what? and I did nothing with it. So that's what I mean. Like you're not going to find anything exciting or thrilling there. I love it. You're like, you're like mic drop, viral post, 5,000 followers. I'm done. 
<laughs> so good. Well, we will have all of your links in the show notes. Obviously, uh, I do also have a lot of listeners that are in corporate as well. So if you're looking for a speaker, a trainer, uh, a coach, all the rest of it, then definitely check Shane out. But I, I love our chats. They're so good. Thank you. It's too kind. Thank you. Ah, so good. I love chatting to Shane. He's so awesome. So many insights, worked with so many people, such a different way of looking at leadership and how we become really bold leaders. And I am here for it. That is what I talk about in Amplify all the time as well, like becoming that bold leader, that thought leader, the person who is sharing the ideas and the concepts and bringing people along on the journey. So I just think it doesn't really matter whether somebody is in corporate or they're in the entrepreneurial space. I think there are so many lessons that we can learn and that we can take away from it. So really love that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it too. I hope that you took something away from it and make sure you go connect with Shane. He's just a gem. He's so lovely. We met on Instagram. We've been chatting for a long time. And then finally around Christmas time, I went out for dinner with him and Marion and Steph Clark and turned Instagram friends into real life friends, <laughs> which is always so cool. So I hope you enjoyed it. I love this episode. Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.